Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. And amen. Guys, it was the other morning... I was listening to Keith Green. Some of you may know who Keith Green, he's done, gone, been with the Lord, but he's a great, great, anointed gospel Christian songwriter. And he was, I was listening to his greatest hits as I was running around the park. Now, the reason I tell you this is because on one of his songs, he stops singing. He's kind of in this concert and he has a dialogue with the crowd, right? And, and he asks them, he goes, so listen, and he's playing the piano in the background. He says, let me ask you a question. He says, what does it really mean to be a Christian, right? And I'm like, wow, cool. And then he goes on, he says, you know, because, because going to make, Going to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. And everybody goes, yeah, that's true. That's funny. And then he says, he says, and what's also true is that going to church doesn't make you a Christian either. A lot of people go to church that we know aren't Christians. As a matter of fact, church, listen, this should be an ER for those who don't go to church. This should be a place where they come in and we're and now going, I mean, we got to have those people too. But he says that going to church does not make you a Christian. And he even goes as far as saying this, listen. That saying a prayer doesn't make you a follower of Jesus either. A lot of people have said a prayer. Now I'm listening to the song and, and so I'm going, okay, what's he going to say? And, and, and Keith probably, he, he gives us probably the best definition of what it means to follow the Lord. You go, wow, what is it? He says, do you really want to know what it means to be the Lord? And the crowd goes, yeah, this is crazy. Yes, 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 yes. And he says, here's the best definition. He says, when you're bananas for Jesus. And I thought, wow, what a cool way to say it. And of course, I laughed and I'm like, bananas for Jesus. Now think about it. Keith Green says, you really want to be a follower of Jesus? It's when you're bananas for Jesus. You're crazy, crazy over the Lord. And I was thinking as I was writing, I go, yep, that, that about sends it up. Why? Because we're bananas for a lot of things. And he says, you want to be a follower of Jesus? He says, when you're bananas for Jesus. Well, my message this morning, church, is what does it mean to follow Jesus? Because today we discover that it is more than just praying a prayer. It's more than just saying, I'm going to go to this church or that church. To quote Keith Green, I believe, guys, it means being bananas for Jesus. Now, remember where we left off last week. Church, we left off with the seven characteristics of a true disciple a true disciple. We talked about this. Remember Greg Laurie's quote? He said that all disciples are believers, but not all believers are disciples. And we let the weight of that sink in into our hearts and because we're thinking, wait a minute, what did you say? All the disciples are true believers, but not all the believers have made that step into discipleship, into walking into being, quote unquote, bananas for Jesus, right? And you go, well, Ben, I've got a question. What is the difference between believers and disciples? I mean, what are the what are, what are the real differences? Well, I found seven of them really quick, and I think I'm going to share them with you. Kind of gives you a kind of gives you some insight of what it is. What is the difference between a believer and those who have crossed the line into Bananaville, if you will, meaning discipleship? We go. What are they? Number one, to believe is cheap and costs us nothing. But to follow Christ is costly, and he asks us to first consider the greater cost. To simply believe, guys, doesn't cost you a thing, but to to be a disciple costs you everything. 
Number two, I believe in Christ's work for me, but discipleship is a result of his work in me. I was like, wow, that's a big difference. Number three, believers consider themselves first, but disciples consider Christ first. What would Jesus do? What would Christ do? We're going to see how Jesus, a lot of times, guys, we walk in such a selfish way, in such a selfish phase, that we never consider, okay, what would Christ do in this situation? We often say, what would I do? Number five, four, believers only produce no perfect fruit, but disciples are known by their fruit. Number five. Belief, guys, saves my soul, but discipleship glorifies Christ. Did you get that one? Belief saves my soul, amen, but discipleship glorifies God. Number six, believers only are not necessarily known as Christians, but disciples are known as Christians. That's what Greg Laurie said. All disciples are believers, but not all believers are disciples. And number seven, you ready? Believers go to heaven and you say amen, but disciples are greatly rewarded there. Well, pastor, remind me what the term disciple means. Well, guys, remember, if you're taking note, it means devoted one, a devoted one. And the implications are really clear. To be a disciple in Jesus' time meant that you would have to serve your discipler. You would be a servant of him, right? And you go, what well, that mean? Well, a lot like how a slave would serve a master, the only thing you wouldn't do with your disciplers, you wouldn't untie his sandals. You wouldn't get so low that you would untie his sandals. And John, right, John the Baptist looked at Jesus. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he says, I'm not even worthy to, unlo- I'm not even, I'm lower than the lowest to do that. See, so you would do everything for them And in turn, they would feed you, they would clothe you, they would teach you all that they knew. That's where we get discipleship from, a devoted one. Now, for the sake of our study, guys, let's go back and let's start from verse 35. We'll just kind of read it, and then we'll make some comments. You ready? Verse 35. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, talking about John the Baptist, right? And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard John speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and seeing them following at a distance, he said to them, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is translated teacher, where are you staying? And he said, come and see. They came and they saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day. For it was about the 10th hour. One of the two heard John speak and he followed was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and he said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, You're Simon, son of Jonah, but you shall be called, who? Cephas, which is a stone. We talked about that last week. Now, let me just go over, guys, the seven characteristics we learned last week. It won't take a whole lot of time because we talked about them last week, but this is what it means to be a disciple. Your first characteristic should be you need to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, and that's a good place for an amen. And you go, why, Ben? Because there's a lot of people that are devoted to a denomination. There's a lot of people that are devoted to a church. There's a lot of people that are devoted to a good cause. But a, but a disciple of Jesus Christ is what? Is one devoted to Jesus. 
Well, pastor, I don't know him that well. Well, that's the whole beauty of Christianity. This is where you get to know him. How do I get to know him? Well, the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. And you need to be in the word of God and you need to be praying. You need to be dialoguing with God and you'll get to know him in a closer and closer and more awesome way. Number two, second characteristics of a disciple of Jesus is you understand him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You understand that he is the sacrificial lamb that God sent for our sins. What does that mean? There's a lot of people in our world, church, that just think Jesus was a good man. He was a great teacher, maybe even a prophet. But a disciple says, no, 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 he is, he is the lamb of God. He is the Meshach. He is the anointed one. He is God's son. Number three, third characteristic of a disciple of Jesus, I'm always speaking and pointing to Jesus. You want to talk football? Amen. Let's talk football. But I'm going to turn it and I'm going to point to Jesus. You want to talk, you want to talk politics? Let's talk politics. But I'm going to turn and I'm going to point it to Jesus. Why? Because that's in my heart. A true disciple says, I'm always pointing to Jesus. Why? None of that other stuff really matters. In the long term, at the end of the day, but Jesus matters. He's the only one. Number four, fourth characteristic of a disciple of Jesus we learned last week is that we have pure motives for following Jesus. Why do we have pure motives? Church, listen to me. There's so many people who who are following Jesus for the wrong reason. They're following Jesus for what they can get. Lord, Lord, listen, my marriage is a wreck. I give my life to you. I'm going to follow you so you can restore my marriage. And then when the marriage is restored, they walk away from God again. We follow the Lord with pure motives. No matter how hard this life gets, we're still going to follow Jesus. Why? Because, guys, we don't follow Jesus because he makes our life better. We follow Jesus because he's better than life. Fifth characteristic of a disciple of Jesus is, guys, that we, we have a heart to spend time with him. Not out, of, not out of duty. Well, you know, back in 88, I gave my life to the Lord, and all those people told me all I have to do is spend time with him. And I, I, I guess, I mean, I don't mind praying. Sometimes I feel like I'm just praying up in the air. That's not, that's not out of what? That's not out of a desire. That's just duty. Well, I feel like I have to. I want to spend time with him. I'm going to spend time, I want to know his heart. Listen, I don't want any surprises in heaven, if you know what I'm talking about. I don't want to get to heaven and be like, which one's Jesus? Where, where, where am I? I, didn't, I want to know and go, that's him, I know him, I know him, I know the way he talks, I've heard his voice. I spent time with him. Number six, guys, is uh, the fruit of our lives will be to tell others. The fruit of our lives. Isn't that, isn't that the truth though? Isn't that true in all things? When we come across a great sale, I mean a spectacular sale, we get on our phone right away and say, hey, you gotta come over here. This is a great sale, man. You can save 50, 60, 70, 80% off and your friends are like, hey man, that's awesome. I didn't know that. And I was needing this. And what we do is we spread it around. Why? It gets good news. But, but a disciple of Jesus Christ has the fruit. Notice. The fruit of our lives is to tell others. Have you ever noticed that fruit happens naturally? 
A good fruit is based on the root. How far your roots go down is going to be based on how much fruit you're going to produce. And it happens naturally, right? You're not even going to, you're just going to be like, you got, I got to tell you about the Lord, man. He just, I just do. Man, you're just some Jesus freak. You're just a religious nut. You know, <laughs> no, man, I just love Jesus and my roots go really deep. And that's what's going on. And then what happens, guys, is that your family and your friends will come to you to pick the fruit off your life. And your life may have fruit that is compassion and love and grace and giving. And they come and they go, man, I just needed some of that. You're just... I got a lot of friends to choose from, but I came to you because you you have the words of Christ. And they have in their peace in my heart. Wow, I want that fruit. Don't you want that fruit? Don't you want that like, it's just, you're just so rooted that all of a sudden you're like, oh, there's some fruit there. Take it, take it, take it. A seventh characteristic, guys, we see of a disciple of Jesus Christ is we will live the way Jesus sees us. We will live the way Jesus. Remember he looked at Peter? What did, what did Simon mean? It meant pebbles, right? Pebbles. Shifting sand, pebbles. And he says, man, you, there's pebbles. Pebbles is coming. He goes, no, I don't see you as pebbles. You know how I see you? I see you as the rock. I see you as the rock. And I want to live the way Jesus sees You know how Jesus sees me? Accepted and forgiven. That's how Jesus sees me. When he sees me, guys, he doesn't see Ben. He sees Christ, and that's how, that's how I want to live. I want to live with peace, knowing that when I lay down and I take my final breath, whatever the case may be, I'm accepted. Not because of who I am, but because of who he is. And there, every one of us in this room, if the Lord, if the Lord tarries, we're going to take that journey alone. But if you know Jesus, it's never alone. You're never alone. He's going to be right there. And so live, live the way Jesus sees us. Well, that brings us to our text today. If you're taking note, the phrase, follow me, is used mostly by Jesus throughout the Gospels. Right? Well, who else would we follow? Well, a lot of people were asking people to follow him. Jesus comes and says, follow me. But the question comes up from time to time. Am I really following Jesus, now listen to me, or is he just a part of my life? That's the question we must ask ourselves today. Am I really following Jesus, or is he just another part of everything else I have going on in my life? Well, with that, guys, we'll take a closer look. Picking it up in verse 43, It says, the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. Now, here's the one thing we need to understand. If we were to look at chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, we discover that Jesus was invited to a wedding in Cana. So a day before the wedding, Jesus is still gathering his disciples. But note with me, Jesus is going to go about it in a way that you and I never would. And you go, what do you mean? How so? Listen, the first disciples were introduced to Jesus by John, right? John speaking, and they followed Jesus. And right here, Jesus took the initiative in calling Philip. Now, if I can have your attention, please. Oftentimes when we read scriptures, we think that Jesus went up to a stranger and said, follow me. And all of a sudden, just all of this, like, oh, the Holy Spirit made me follow God. Listen, if a bearded dude walked in this church and and he said, follow me, I ain't following him anywhere. Right? We was like, he's crazy. You go, why? 
you got to understand in the culture that Jesus had already grown up with these guys. He knew Philip. They were friends. They knew these guys. And so when he comes and he says, hey, Joe, follow me. Joe's like, oh, yeah, that's there's something. The Holy Spirit had already been working in their lives. And that when Jesus gives the initial, why do you think he spent time calling on the 12? Lord, who do you want? Who do you want? Who do you want? And so he walks, right? So the next day he says, listen, I need to go to Galilee. Why? I want to go to Galilee because over in Canaan there's going to be a wedding. And I've been invited. So guess what he does? He says, and he, and he, finds, he finds Philip, right? And when it means found, I mean, just we'll, we'll talk about that in just a minute. Okay, let me, don't want to get ahead of myself. But, but Jesus right here takes the initiative. And in who? In calling Philip. Now, listen to me. Over in Matthew's gospel, we're given the names of the twelve. Now, I want you to listen to the names, and then we'll chat for just a moment. Matthew chapter 10, 2 through 4 says, Now these are the name of the twelve apostles are these. First it was Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip, there he is, and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Libius, whose surname was Thaddeus, so we have Thaddeus. Then you have Simon, okay, another name. This was Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who was also betrayed. So he kind of lays them out there. Now, let me give you a good nugget of encouragement, church. Listen to me. God calls regular people to do his work. We'll call them common people. And you go, well, what do you mean that you, you, Jesus does it different than us? Well, really, we would gather together. We're going to call some disciples to change the world. Let's, who are we going to go? Well, let's go after some of the most educated. Well, we're going to need to get some rich people in here because we got to fund our ministry. So let's call some rich people, right? So we've got some educated. How about an engineer? We need some creative. We need some creative, right? Because how are we going to get the message out if we're not, if we're not real creative? That's how we would do it. Jesus says, no, I'm going to pray. And he calls the most common dudes you can imagine. You go, well, like what? The guys, these guys are common fellas. They have no rank or notoriety. Jesus' 12 disciples were from all walks of life. Some were fishermen. Some were political activists. We call them a zealot. They were tax collectors, common people, uncommon leaders, rich, poor, educated, and uneducated. All of them, all the mix. You go, Pastor, what's your point? Here, he still calls us, guys. He calls and uses regular people today just like you and me. And if you're sitting here this morning or you're listening by radio or you're on the podcast, know that God has called you and he can use you right where you're at. There's so many people going, I don't know, Pastor. I don't know. I don't have a degree in theology. I don't, I don't know. I just, he can use you just right where you're at. A lot of people, I bet, wonder what Jesus sees in us when he calls us to be his disciples. Well, let me give you some reasons, I think, right? Number one, um, I think we need to believe and accept that, that we need to believe that Jesus accepts us in spite of our humanity and can use ordinary people just like you and me to do extraordinary work. We need just to believe that he's God and that he accepts us just the way we are. Uh, we must understand that discipleship from salvation to glorification is by God's grace through faith. The calling of Jesus is gracious, inviting, adventurous, and unsettling. And let me give you the last one. A discipleship, guys, I think, is by choice. A choice originating with God and fulfilled 
in simple obedience. You have to say yes. You have to go, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I want more. I want more. Here's what I want you to note, guys, in that verse. He found Philip. He found Philip, right? He went looking for Philip. And just a thought, right? Here's just a thought, my opinion. In order for something to be found, it has to be lost. And so what happens, guys, is I think at this point, we can take a good spiritual truth out of this, and we know that right now, Philip was lost. Oh, no, no, he wasn't lost physically. I mean, he knew exactly where Philip was. He went straight to where Philip would hang out. But right now, spiritually speaking, Philip was lost. In church, I think it's one of the hardest things for us to confess is when we're lost. We have a lot of pride and go, no, I'm not lost. I know exactly where I am. Where are you? I have no idea. And I think spiritually speaking, we have to get to the place. And you go, what do you mean, Ben? What do you mean? Church, listen. One of the things that we need to understand about being lost is that we have to own our sin. We can't just, we can't just have it external. The Pharisees had an external sin. You go, hey, uh, you guys sin? They go, well, occasionally I might tell a lie. But for us to, to confess that we're lost, we have to go, no, you know what? I tell a lie because I'm a liar. Because I, I sin. And you go, well, why, why do I need to own this? You need to own this so that you can fully embrace how God has forgiven you. You can be set free. If you simply externalize your sin, you'll never find the freedom of, of your acceptance in Christ. But that's what we're taught to do in pride. Oh, I don't, I don't tell lies. I mean, I may lie occasionally. It's a, it's a white lie. But seriously, though, if, if you were talking to Jesus, what would we do? He'd get to the heart. He goes, no, you're a liar, Ben. And you know what, Lord? It's the truth, man. Whenever something comes up, why is it that my first instinct is to lie, to cover, to fabricate? Ah, yes, my heart is wickedly, deceitfully wicked, Lord. I'm so sorry. Guys, we got to own it. So you can be set free. You want joy in your life? Own it. it. That's me. And then the enemy comes and goes, man, you're a loser. You're a da-da-da-da-da. And you go, amen. You're right. Oh, thank God for Jesus. That's why Jesus came, right? And then the devil looks at you and goes, oh, you got me. Hey, got me. Hey, got me. Well, guys, it's, it's a hard thing to confess that we're lost. But, but once we do... I think there's a lot of times, guys, when you hear somebody's testimony, you'll hear them saying, I found Jesus, right? I found Jesus. And I'm thinking, yet it was Romans 3.23 that says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. And listen, we're all lost until he finds us. And when he finds you, guess what he's going to do? He's going to ask you the same question, isn't he? He's going to look at you and go, hey, Alice, follow me. That's the question. Do you want to, will you follow me? And, and again, you go, but then what does it mean? To follow Jesus. Well, if you're taking note, let's define follow, okay, the way the Bible says. It is in a present active, active imperative, meaning it's a direct challenge. That's the first thing. It's a call to action. And to follow him, it's the nature of, it's the nature of true Christianity. 
It is following Christ, devoting ourselves to his converse, his conduct, attending movements, and walking in his steps. You see, it's more than just clicking, going, I'm following you. It's more than just following at a distance. Jesus is walking ahead, and there you are. What are you doing? I'm following Jesus. He just described to us, guys, that it's a direct challenge. It's a call to action, and you are in it. It's the difference from sitting on the side of the pool, getting the sun, dipping your big toe in every now and then, to actually jumping in the water and going under. And Jesus says, come on in. The water's great. The water's great. Church, listen. Listen, this is, this is going to get deep here for just a second, okay? Now, here is where I must warn you, we must be careful. See, there's a danger in the church today that with our busy lives, and you go, what? Like what? Man, with your life and your family, your career, raising kids, school, all of these things that Jesus then knocks on your heart and he says, will you follow me? And we take it that we just need to add him to our busy lives. There's a big danger. Okay, God, I'm following you. Listen, I've, um, listen we can hang out. I've got from 4.45 to 5.15. We can, we can chill there, God. Is that cool? But at 5.15, I've got to go here, I've got to go there, I've got to go there, and I've got to make dinner, I've got to do this. And Lord's like, no, 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 you don't understand. That's not, that's not following me. You're just adding me. I don't want to be just added something to your schedule. Guys, following Jesus means being bananas for him, devoting our lives for his service. He calls Philip. Notice, and it goes on in verse 44. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him. Could you imagine his excitement? We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Look at, look at Nathanael's response. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything come good out of Nazareth? And Philip's like, I don't know. That's not what he said. He says, Come and see. Come and see. Here's something interesting, guys. Philip is from Bethsaida, and Bethsaida means house of fishing. Both, both who? Both Andrew and Peter are from this place called house of fishing. And I found it interesting. Why? Because Jesus is so amazing that he calls these fishermen to be fishers of men. Where are you from? House of fishing. What are you going to do? I'm going to start fishing for men. What about the fish? That's not my calling anymore. It's not my calling anymore. You can't make this stuff up, guys. This is the word of God. And you know what Philip does? If you're taking note, look at this. Philip exercised the sixth characteristic of a true disciple. Why? He went and found Nathaniel. He didn't just keep it to himself, right? Jesus goes, hey, Alice. Come follow me. And Alice goes, okay, I'm going to stay quiet. I'm going to follow Jesus. No, Alice is like, boom, I'm going to tell everybody. I'm going to tell everyone. I'm going to start. That's what, that's what he's doing. He's, he's, he's exercising. I, I just can't keep it in. I can't keep it in. But you know what a cool thing is, guys? If you're taking note, you know what Nathaniel means? The gift of God. His name means gift of God. And I'm thinking, man, I love this because I can read that Philip found what? Philip found the true gift of God. 
He found the true gift of God. And when we invite Jesus into our hearts and we really put our faith and trust in him, we too can find the gift of God. Oh, not in the name, Nathaniel, but in the true gift of God. Now, here's his rap, right? Here's, here's Philip's rap. Hey, we found him. We found him. I didn't know Jesus was lost. No, 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 you don't understand. We found him. Who did you find? It's the one that Moses and the law and the prophets wrote about. Who is he? You know Jesus? Yeah, wait, wait, Jesus? Yeah, from Nazareth? That's Joseph's boy. And I bet at this point Nathaniel's thinking, cuckoo, there's no way. We, we grew up with the dude. And, and, you know, I mean, he's a little strange and all. I mean, but seriously? Here's what you got to love, guys. Number one, when he talks about Moses and the law and the prophets, he's talking about the Old Testament. And no one else should have known better than the Pharisees, and they missed him because they're too busy being religious. And the, and the guys here go, that's the one we've been, we've been talking about. And, and you got to love the honesty and t- integrity of Nathaniel. You go, why? Because he's like, because he, he, goes, he goes, Jesus? N- Nazareth? And then he asked the question, can anything good? I mean, I didn't expect the Messiah to come out of Nazareth. We've been there. And that's a good question. Can, can anything? And it's like, here's what we got to think about, guys. guys. Listen, God's ways are not my ways. Because if the king of king was going to be born, he was going to be born in a royal palace in Jerusalem, and it was just going to be mind-blowing. But no, no, no. Jesus comes out of Nazareth. You know? And and Nathaniel is where? Well, we know that Philip and Peter are from Bethsaida, right? Maybe they had a rival basketball team or something. They was like, man, nothing. We, we beat Nazareth all the time. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no way. There's, that school's horrible. Nobody wants, right? Listen, you're getting to the high school years. Where do you want to play football? Not in Nazareth. I want to go to I want to go to the bigger school, right? And that's his mindset. He's like, can anything come out of Nazareth? And here's what we got to learn from this. You ready? We need to be careful, guys, not to listen to false assumptions. False assumptions will always lead you away from Jesus. We found Jesus. A false assumption is like, where, what, who, really? A true assumption. Let's go. Let's find out, right? Because why? What does Phil, what does what does Philip say? Come and see. Come and see. And this should be our response to any type of question when someone doesn't believe. Come and see for yourselves. Come and see. Lee Strobel in his book Case for Christ is one who tried to prove the Bible wrong and end up getting saved. Why? Because it was a simple come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Look at verse 47, guys. And Jesus saw Nathanael, the gift of God, coming toward him, and he said, Hey, behold, an Israelite, indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus, smiling, I bet, and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, he said, I saw you. And Nathanael's face dropped, can you imagine? And he answered and he said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. Notice that he's giving them, he's, look at this, he's, you are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered and he said to him, because I said to you, 
I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? He says, you're going to see greater things, greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, let's chat, guys. Let's chat. This is amazing and mind-blowing. Why? What a way to live, first of all. What a way to live, right? Why? Because Nathaniel comes walking towards Jesus, and Jesus looks at him, and he doesn't say, hey, you're Simon. Now you're going to be Peter. He goes, hey, there's, there's an Israelite. There's a true Israelite in whom there's no guile, no deceit. And I was thinking, wow. There's a couple of things here that I really want you to catch, guys. A really good application. Number one, I want you to see that Jesus, that, that, that Jesus knows our lives even before we know him. But here's the good news. Maybe you're here this morning, and if Jesus, if you came walking toward Jesus, he'd look at you and he'd say, hey, there's an Israelite, and oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Maybe he can't say that about us. But what I love is that he knows my heart and he knows my life and he knows who I am and he invited me into his kingdom anyway. You see, he didn't say, hey, there's, there's Nathaniel. Listen, you're the only one who can get in because you're an Israelite that doesn't have any deceit in your heart. And I'm thinking, man, I got a lot of deceit in my heart, right? Some of us have the gift of manipulation and we use it well to get what we want. And, and what I love is that Jesus looks at those things and he goes, listen, I already know you and I'm still going to call you. See, church, listen. So many times Christianity is tainted with the fact that we have to clean ourselves up before coming to God. And you have to get right and you have to cut your hair and you have to look right. And that's not what Jesus sees. Jesus sees your heart and he still bids you to come. He still bids you to come, and that's the, that's the gospel. So, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why in the world do we think now that we have to earn and walk and work for our salvation? All we have to do is love Jesus and let him do the work. We, we try so hard, right? We try, to hard, we try so hard. We've learned Christianese. Yes, ma'am. God bless you, sister. How are you? Hallelujah. We learn all the Christianese, and, and in our hearts, we're, we're different. And I'm thinking, we just need to love Jesus and be who we are. And people go, wow, you know what? You're, you're this, and you're that, and I can't believe you do this. And you go, I know. Isn't that crazy? And yet, the God of the universe accepts me and loves me. I'm going to follow him. Now, I don't mean to be that way. It's just this ugly nature that's growing more like Christ. And that's true freedom, guys. So Jesus says, hey, there's an Israelite. Now, catch this, guys. Jesus tells Nathaniel, hey, I was with you under the fig tree. And you, you talk about blowing his mind. In Jesus' time, guys, the fig tree was a really leafy, shady place. And men, Jewish men, would often go and sit and pray. This is where they hung out, okay? 
They'd get, they'd get there and they'd get under the leafy tree. And oh, I remember when we were in Israel and it wasn't so much, a, it wasn't a fig tree so much as it was up in Capernaum. We went to um, this place and we had like 20 minutes where we could just worship. And I had my headphones on. I was under this tree and I had my back to it. And I can understand, I can picture it right here. But it was just leafy. And all of a sudden he's praying. And I bet you anything, he was, he was meditating on Genesis 28. Where Jacob, right? Jacob was saw the ladder and angels ascending and descending back and forth. You go, what? Well, Jesus said, hey, listen, when you were praying about Genesis 28, I, I saw you. I saw you. And you go, well, Ben, why do you say that? Well, notice his answer. Notice in verse 50, guys. He said, Jesus said, because I said to you, I saw you in the fig tree, if you believe? He says, man, you're going to see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, Hereafter, you shall see heaven open. Everybody catch that. And angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And so right at this point, Nathaniel's like, that's what I was praying. Are you serious? Have you ever had that encounter with God before? I mean, and, and we call it confirmation. You know, I told Nathalie the other day, I think the Lord is saying something and and she'll say, no way, that's exactly what I felt the Lord was saying to me. And it'll be confirmation. And it's just like, man, well, this is exactly, he's, he just confirmed. I saw you, you were hanging out. And Nathaniel must have felt something under the fig tree. And then when Jesus goes, hey, I saw you in the fig tree. What? I felt something. Here's what we got to catch, guys. We're getting ready to close here. Here's what we got to catch. It says, most assuredly, I say to you, Hereafter, you shall see heaven open. Everybody see that? What does that mean? It's a symbol, guys, of fellowship open to those who follow Jesus. One of the beautiful perks we have for following Christ is fellowship with him. If you're taking note, and you don't mind writing in your Bible, guys, the ladder, the ladder we see here as he's talking about it, right? You can write ladder on there, but we see this here, and in Genesis 28, what's he saying is that Jesus is the only way that we can have fellowship with the Father. That ladder represents Jesus. That's the only way. But a beautiful perk, guys, when he says, follow me, is he's giving you an open door to speak to him. No surprises in heaven, right? You know exactly who Jesus is. So, in closing, let's recap. You ready? What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean? That's a term that we can't take lightly. That's a term that we can't say, well, Jesus just wants me to add him to my busy life. Okay, I will add him on Sunday morning, but the rest of the time I've got stuff to do. That's not what he's asking you to do. And then I would often say, please don't do that. That's like, that's like being married part-time. You know, hey, I got married and I added her to my life, but, you know, I don't really want to spend any time with her because, I mean, I've got a lot of stuff to do. And when you get married, it's like, man, I want to spend time. 
a lot of times on Saturdays, I'll get up here and I'll spend a few hours preparing for today, but a lot of Saturday afternoons, I still want to spend time with my wife. I've been married a long time, and I still want to spend time with her. Why? Because I love her. I didn't ask her to be just a a part of my life. And so I didn't take those vows lightly. And neither does the Lord. When he says, follow him, guys, he says, follow him wholeheartedly. Our lives must reflect the glory of God as you and I are lights in a dark world. It's a challenge. It's an action. It's a call to action. Follow me. Follow me. Guys, as we close this chapter, let me just remind you of the titles that were given to Jesus in these 51 short verses, okay? Number one, they called him the Word. He's the Word. Number two, he's the Creator. Number three, he's the light of the world, the only begotten son. Number five, he was the lamb of God. Number six, he's the son of God. Number seven, they called him the Messiah. And number eight, they called him the king of Israel. These are all titles given to him in this first chapter. But we were given one title. You go, we were? Yeah, you ready? Jot this down. Here's your title. You are a disciple who's bananas for Jesus. You're a devoted one who's bananas for the Lord. When people ask you, who are you? You go, I'm bananas for Jesus. Oh, he's a myth. Maybe to you. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. Father, we thank you for your word this morning and the truth in your word. And we thank you, God, that we can follow you. And it's so much more than following you on Twitter or Facebook it's, it's dedicating our lives to you, and, and that's what it means. it means. It means that it's a challenge question, it's an action. God, we truly follow you. And so, Lord, we allow the word of God to sink in our heart this morning. And now we pray as we worship you that it would sink in our hearts. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.